We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It feels like Miami. Miami, Miami. Miami, Miami. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Carlin Alves. And with me today is not producer co-founder Brian Goins. He is driving to his Thanksgiving destination. But with me today is our statistician and professional photoshopper, Christian Hernandez. What up? We have our professional screw-up, Alex Toledo. Yo. Fresh off uh, Five of the Floor, covering Heat games, getting the scoops. No getting scoops. Getting mad at you. Spo's mad at you still? Nah, overblown. Does Eric look you in the face? Yeah, every time. Uh, what, what? So, uh, for those of you who don't know, Alex, uh, he covers the team regularly for Five Reasons Sports, and uh, he asked Spo a question about the shooting the last couple of years. How it was a little shaky, and now it's really good. And I believe Spo said something to the effect of, "I'm not gonna waste my breath on that." Yep. Spo, what's it feel like now to have a team full of guys who can shoot every time they're given the ball? Whereas the past couple of years, you guys have been kind of inconsistent from that area. You've been comfortably top five in three point percentage and. I think top 10 and three-point attempts since day one of this season. How do you feel about that and the contrast with the last few years? Yeah, I, I don't know. I would That would be a, a longer uh, disagreement that I probably don't need to waste my breath on uh, because two years ago we had, we had really good three-point shooting. Um, and last year we were, I believe, I believe we were in uh, the top uh, six or seven until the last six weeks of the, of the season. And three-point shooting. Um, you're just seeing the ball go in right now, uh, you know, from some of our guys uh, uh, that have an ignite ability to it. So it's making you pay attention more. Um, and our bigs obviously stretch the floor and space uh, in a different way maybe than we've had before. But the ball's moving, and we're getting to coherent actions that create the space, and then the ball uh, can move where it's those inside-out threes or extra pass from good to great uh, threes that, uh, you know, most competent NBA players can can make those at a high percentage. Long disagreement. Uh, pretty dismissive. Pretty dismissive. I, I, to be honest with you, I side with Spoke. Okay, like, I'm going to side with the, uh, with the wow. Hall of Fame coach. I'm, I'm siding with the Hall of Fame coach. I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I you know, trust what Spoke says, right? Uh, Dark Lord Spoke. So, side with facts. That's how we're uh we are part of the blue wire network thank you blue wire for uh for the for everything that we have for our beautiful beautiful house uh, thank you thank you to blue wire okay so guys 
lots happening right now, right? So Justice Winslow apparently supposed to come back as Lefty Leif. I guess he's not Lefty Leif anymore. Greg Sylvander of uh, Heat Beat and Five Reasons reported that uh, that Justice is coming back tomorrow, which is good. Uh, we get into that later. I do want to talk people off the ledge a touch, right? So it was kind of a weird two games because on the one hand, on on Saturday they play Philadelphia and they 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 get they get they get boat raced, right? They get their ass kicked. Uh, it looks really bad. Uh, their offense looked totally dysfunctional, like nothing was working, and it looked like the Philly plan of sagging off of Bam uh, completely neutered everything Miami did. Jimmy Butler had a horrible game. Josh lit him up, blah, blah, blah. Then they play Charlotte at home, and they just beat the brakes off. They, uh, they break the brakes off of Charlotte, and they completely annihilate another bad team at home. They just com- they're invincible at home against bad teams. It's just fact. Uh, and Houston, apparently. So bad teams plus Houston at home, they're invincible. And and it was kind of a weird dichotomy. And I, I don't think, I think after the loss on Saturday, um, guys, I think you saw kind of heat Twitter melting. People like were like, okay, Philly's just a tier above. Okay, this team's not for real. And as someone who is not, I'm not, and you guys know, I'm not the biggest believer in this group. I think that they have a lot of flaws and we've argued back and forth about them. But I don't think that loss is indicative of a lot other than, you know, in a playoff series, Spo is going to be allowed to adjust to those things. And that is not going to be the norm between those two teams. No, it was the second night of a road back to back. Like, I can't, like, I don't get why people are making such a big deal about it. They, it's not like they haven't beaten any good teams. They have. They beat Milwaukee, the best team in the East, on the road. They crushed Houston at home, although I guess I guess you got to give them some slack for being in South Beach and being, you know, James Harden. South Beach Blue. Did, did you see that study that somebody did about how there is a direct correlation between the quality of strip clubs in a city? Yes, I did. And how many bad games that James Harden has had in his career? It's it's incredible. It's art. It's the kind of I thought that was just. I, I don't know if we actually had to, got a chance to talk about that. But. It's funny because you'll put up thirty five or forty, and everyone does it. <laughs> what changes the efficiency? But still, the point <laughs> I'm making is that it's not like the Heat haven't beaten bad teams. It's not their fault that they've pretty much only faced a lot of bad teams, and the only good teams that they faced have either been a mile above sea level, which is not normal or on the second night of a road back-to-back. So I don't know that you can really make an, you know, an, a conclusion one way or the other. It's still way too early. So like people that are immediately writing this team off, also, I just... Let's not forget. Sedano. Right. Go ahead, Jerry. Their losses. At Minnesota, second night of a back-to-back. And by the way, that back-to-back no, was... No, that, that wasn't a back-to-back. It was Minnesota? not. I, yeah, I, no, that loss was not a back-to-back. Minnesota was a back-to-back. Yeah, it was a back-to-back. It was, it was a day Milwaukee after the Milwaukee game. win. Yeah, so they had an overtime game at Milwaukee, and then this, this next night they lost at Minnesota. Then the next loss was at Denver, which that's fine. You oh, lose, you're right. Shit, that's my fault. You yeah. lose to a contender on the road above sea level. That's fine. Their next loss was the Lakers, fourth game in five nights, or, or third game in four nights, one of the two on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, what can you do? Uh, and then they, they lose to Philly second night of a back-to-back. So... None of those losses are bad. Carl, Anthony Towns, and Wiggins are lighting the world on fire. They're 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 a playoff team in the West, I think, as of this point, as we're recording. Starting point guard Andrew Wiggins. And starting point guard Andrew Wow. Wiggins. Andrew, guy Andrew Wiggins learning how to pass. That's been he's been the darling of every national NBA podcast. At first it was the Phoenix Suns for the first week of the season, and now it's Andrew Wiggins. It's like you're not an NBA podcast unless you mention Andrew Wiggins and his ability to pocket pass. I mean, also because it's just like he went from being the worst contract in basketball to now being like, you know, pretty much appropriately paid yeah. for, for what he's been doing. Upside. Upside, one might <laughs> he say. He should have traded Dion and JJ for him when they had the chance. Culture, they could have cultured him up. <laughs> um, so, like, these losses are not – they're not bad. I mean, I think at some point you want to see them win one of those games. Right, like, I, like, think about the tone that you have right now during this conversation, and the team has won seventy five percent of their. They're the games. two seed. They're the two seed right now. They I still have they- a better record than the seventy sixers, who they just lost to on the second night of a back to back on the road. Again, like you, we can't be making like any sweeping rationalizations right now, especially considering 
the Heat are going to have plenty of motive to eventually make some kind of trade. Let's 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 say this. I think the top five teams in the East can all beat each other in a playoff series. Yes, I, think, I definitely I think don't you, agree. I think you could put any of the five against each other, and they can beat like when they're healthy, right? So if Boston's healthy, I think Boston can beat any of the of the other four teams. I think Wait, Toronto. You're not just talking healthy, about on any given night in the regular season. You're talking, talking about, about in a playoff, playoff series. series. I, think, I think if they're matched up in a playoff series, I think. It's going to be a toss-up. I think it's going to be a six or seven-game series, and it's going to be one or the other. It'll probably be a little luck, a little injury luck. But if they're fully healthy, I think any of those teams can beat any of those teams. You don't Man, think that's fair? I think, in, in the words of Spo, I've got a long disagreement. I mean, I won't even waste my breath on that. <laughs> what, you just think Milwaukee's just so much better than everybody yes, else? Th- yes, yes. Huh? I think we're deluding ourselves a little bit. We were so, like careful coming into the season coming into like well it's obvious and the bucks and the sixers are going to be a step ahead and there was a lot of reasoning for that christian i believe you said that the the, the sixers might win the title or that they're definitely going to at least get to the final oh no they, they were 100 my pick and i really haven't seen anything to make me feel bad about Alex, that pick but that's Alex, what i'm saying is like it's been you know we've seen the first month and some of that stuff is real some of that stuff isn't i'm my only thing is i'm still not at the point where i believe the heat the Celtics, and the raptors can beat the Bucks. I'm not even talking about just the Sixers. I think the Sixers are still a question mark. And my know, only man. thing was that the, it's a terrible matchup for the Heat, especially without Justice. It'll be more competitive when he's back. And, you know, it's not going to be a 40-point loss when they play again, you know. But I still don't buy the, the Heat as, like, a conference finals team. I think it's a long shot still. Man, like, I mean, I, I think they're competitive. Yeah, Alex brought up the three teams, though, that right now I think are the biggest, like, wild cards, which are the Heat, Celtics, and Raptors. All those teams right now, 12 and 4. Um, it's just a lot of young guys that are kind of coming into their own and it's hard to know where the ceilings are on these guys that are still improving. And, you know, all three teams have multiple guys doing that. And so that's why it's really hard to figure out where it's going to kind of top off and whether that's going to be enough to overcome the ridiculous length that the 76ers have and just the world beating power that Giannis has. Well, like, I think the biggest question marks are probably on the heat, right? Because I think if you look at the Celtics, they have a lot of guys that have been through long playoff series and have been through deep runs. Like that's the Celtic core essentially that made a conference finals run a couple of years ago, albeit a very weak East and a run that I called very fraudulent, but they have that experience. They have a guy like Gordon Hayward, who's going to get healthy soon. Again, they have like, they, they have Kemba's kind of come back. Who's also been in playoff series, not very deep, but he's, He's obviously a star level guy. Gordon Hayward, another guy who isn't the best, uh, isn't the worst contract in the NBA anymore. Exactly. He's, he suddenly was the best player on the damn team. Uh, you have the Raptors who just made a finals run. And I guess the question mark is, can Siakam do that in a playoff series? But you have all those guys that I think for the most part, we trust in a playoff series. Like we, ju- we just saw it, right? They have a lot of veterans as well. I think it's more than just Siakam for them. I think it's like, is their top-end talent good enough to compete with the top-end talent on Milwaukee and Boston? And that's fair. That's fair. And that's a matchup thing. And that's the same thing with Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy and the Heat, I feel like. I think, you know, they're kind of on a similar level. They have a little more questions. They have more question marks because they're really leaning on on Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero a lot, right, to to play big minutes. And and the playoffs is going to be different. We're going to see, you know, teams are going to be like, okay, we have a full scouting report. We have a lot of time to prepare. How are we going to take away a guy like Tyler who – has not Tyler and Kendrick that just okay you haven't seen this kind of defenses before let's let's throw this at you let's throw this at you let's neuter your offense so I and I trust Spo a lot too and I think Spo's the best coach in the Eastern Conference right now like no questions asked right so like I, I think that he's you're gonna have a coaching advantage uh, on any given night but I don't know I, I think it's closer than you think I think if the Heat get the box I, I I you can't talk yourself into that I'm really surprised that you said that I really thought you were going to say Nick Nurse. I wanted to so badly. Yeah, I was waiting for that too. To Let me be tell honest. you something. I'm, I'm pretty proud of you. Honestly, I, honestly, I, I shouldn't to, be proud of you because you're garbage. I wanted to. I I'm kind of proud of you. Like, if the guys, if the Heat get the Bucks, you won't talk yourself into that. Um, I mean, Alex, I Alex is looking at me because he knows he would. You know, you would. You know Yo, that, that you're going to be that like, is probably the Heat can one of throw, the better matchups that the Heat have, honestly. The Heat can throw Bam at Giannis. You're going to say this. They have all the wind. No, they defenders. definitely can match up versus the Bucks better than they can versus the Sixers just because they don't present the same types of problems. Or, you know, the Sixers are huge at every, you know, every damn position, right? But I know that you'll talk yourselves into beating the Raptors because you all hate them. And uh, the Celtics, I know that we talk ourselves into beating the Celtics. We, we would say, 
we are essentially the Celtics. I think the Miami fans will say like, okay, the Celtics are basically us, but they don't have Jimmy and we'd have the best player on the court. Therefore we would win. Right. So like, I think he fans would say that. Yeah, for sure. I would say that. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that any of the teams can ups like that's, that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough. No, but my thing is the bucks. I don't actually see somebody beating the bucks this season. I, I think I, I, I don't I, think there's a Kawhi. Like that's what it was last year, right? Like the Raptors team was great. I don't think they can. They just... have 22 year old Kawhi, Alex. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, look, the they have Giannis. Like... They have the uh, they have a, they have baby Giannis. Yeah, Siakam is, is somehow Giannis and Kawhi combined. But he's <laughs> you bet. Listen, I all listen. You look at some defensive metrics. Siakam is kind of Kawhi ish this year with offense. It's kind of like what he's doing is kind of amazing. And the, yeah, and- but th- like they're not comparable at all. Like Giannis is just so he's a freak so beyond anything else in this league. Agreed. You guys see what he did last night? Yes. 50 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists with zero turnovers. Like if if that's his ceiling, it looks so good in a vice. I mean, before. I, I um, some of I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I don't think anybody can stop the Bucks in the same way that Nobody could really stop. I mean, but this is people different. said this that last like, year, Chris. <laughs> like Jordan had Pippen, who was a legitimate, who could who could have been a legitimate number one on a lot of other teams. Giannis is just by himself on You're an island, that making Brook Lopez stopped? look like a god right now. I'll disrespect my man Chris Middleton like that, who's been hurt by the way, and they uh, they've catapulted but themselves. But that's what I'm saying. Team. That's what I'm saying. Look at that. The, what thirteen and three, fourteen and three. Guess Miami hasn't even been healthy. They they haven't had Justice Winslow since he hit his face against Paul Millsaps. Right? Like, and I, I was talking to uh I was talking to a friend today, like, Justice is not a floor raiser. Uh, I, I like I, I Zach Lowe said this on his podcast a couple weeks ago and I thought it was a really great analogy. He talked about floor raisers and ceiling raisers. There are certain guys like DeRozan that will raise your floor to a certain level that a, a scorer like that will make you I already I disagree know. to be honest. Whatever. Justice definitely helps with your floor just because of how good he is on defense and how much you'll help with the playmaking. I think that more than anything, he's a ceiling. Like Draymond, he's a ceiling raiser. Draymond I, I is a ceiling raiser, right? Draymond's yeah. not. You have like clearly Draymond's better than Justice, and they're not very good with him on the court. See, but the thing is, I don't think Justice like is somebody who you know he's not hitting his shots. He's just overall negative just because he's doing so many other things. No, but I'm not he's saying not somebody that. who takes a high volume either. So I'm saying Draymond's the same though. Even if Dray- Justice, Dray- but that's what I'm saying. Like if Justice uh, isn't hitting his shots, he's still doing so many other things that he's gonna raise the floor for you. I think he's there's value over like a backup from what he does. I think yeah, I mean, and that's why I was kind of like losing it on Twitter today, like just seeing all these people just immediately wanting to throw justice into a trade. Also, just on the record, you guys gotta relax about trades. It's still November. Like we haven't even gotten to the holidays, and the majority of trades don't happen until freaking Valentine's. Nobody. Day. I mean, half <laughs> the league isn't gonna be available to be traded until December, anyways. And, right, so it's like it's definitely too early, guys? man. It's definitely too early, and it's like just we haven't chill. even seen justice with this team yet, and that's gonna like that's gonna be big, right? Like that's gonna affect how we feel about the team going forward once we actually get a sample of justice's starting point guard, like we thought. Exactly, and like if he's gonna be playing that role, this is gonna be the best team he's ever been on in terms of the surrounding talent fitting him well. Now they've got a bunch of shooters that at any moment they can throw minimum two shooters out there. Most times three shooters out there. And if they want to get crazy, they could throw four or five. I was talking you know? about it with, last night with Coop, uh, Cooper Moorhead from Heat.com, uh, and he was a saying... crappy name drop. I mean, man, <laughs> that's, uh, that's disrespectful, man. Coop, I love Coop. Let me tell you something. Basketball mine. Coop is a genius, but I don't think... I, I think most of our audience might not know who Coop, Cooper Moorhead is. Cooper I mean, Moorhead fair, is but a they all film, like read his stuff and watch the stuff that that that's out there on, on the Instagram. Film and, basketball, right. film and basketball genius Cooper Moorhead. I don't even know what I was gonna say. Oh, he's also deceivingly tall. Oh, very yeah. deceivingly. He's six five. Yeah, yes. but he should monster, trade for monster, him to guard and beat. Honestly, <laughs> that, that's that's six fouls right there. <laughs> no, but what I was gonna say was they were they had these lineups out there last night with Goran as the point, surrounded by Hero Robinson. And Kelly, right? Like, I would Private love to see Justice in that lineup instead of Goron. I think that would Whoa. just be incredible. Like, I would love to see that, right? I think that's one of the things that Spoh's going to have to do once he comes back is do some of that staggering to really yeah. maximize Justice and not just have him out there with Jimmy at all times, you know? 
I was I was thinking about this today because obviously people were asking, I think, a fair question just because we really don't have much of a sample at this point of what Justice and Jimmy look like together. But let's say there there is an issue offensively. Let's say that Justice isn't shooting well and, you know, there's just not a lot of space and the offense is kind of clunky. I mean, I, I think there's already a lot of evidence that moving Goron back into the starting lineup with Jimmy would be a really good decision because it seems like it seems like they get along really well. I know that Ethan has reported a few times that it seems like they're they're pretty close and that Jimmy really respects Goron. So if if they're showing like a like a like a chemistry already, it might make sense to bring Goron back into the starting lineup and have Justice lead that second unit when at times they're throwing out Hero, Robinson, Olinick you know, all kinds of shooters to really open things up for him and let him flourish. That's an interesting point that you make because I don't think that's a terrible idea when you're just talking about straight basketball and, you know, trying to maximize the guys that are on this team and how they play together. But this is something that we were talking about in the Heat Beach chat earlier. They're kind of straddling a line between competing now and, you know, building this, organically building this young core that they have. And that's why I end up just wanting them to start Justice and Hero together with Jimmy because I want, I want them to empower the guys that, either are going to be a part of your future or are going to be a part of a package for a whale if that, if that day ever comes. And I think the basketball fit is there as well. So it's like, that's something that they constantly have to straddle this season. I feel like. I think the big, I think the big thing, Chris, and I think you mentioned it, like, like starting here over Robinson is that is the same thing as, uh, you know, starting justice over Goran in this scenario. That Christian, you were saying that Justin like has to make a certain threshold of his threes to really help grease the offense, which we know he can do. Just like kind of beforehand, but before he got hurt, the shot was a little shaky. I think the percentages are still good, but it just doesn't look the same. Right. I mean, because the fact of the matter is, is that even if you, Justice is the primary ball handler and playmaker, he's not going to have the ball in his hands all the time. At, at most, he'll have the ball in his hands 50 to 66% of the time. Maybe, maybe. What's he going to do the rest of that time where, you know, players are not going to be just playing off him and just crowding up the paint so that it really, it hurts the Heat's, you know, cutting game, which is where they've been, you know, scoring a lot of points this season. And it'll really hurt their ability to operate really any facet of the offense from clearing up space on screens to actually trying to run the pick and roll, which they're still kind of struggling with this season. So that's what kind of the Sixers did to them on Saturday. They'd have him beat Sag off of Bam and he was kind of standing in the paint and Bam, while having passing angles, just as a guy who's not like I know that he his jump shooting is good but just wasn't really taking them and you're not really going to hurt a team and then if 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 Embiid concedes a mid-range bam jumper I think they take that right like you know sometimes that'll win you a playoff series like Udonis against against you uh, against the Pacers and sometimes it won't so that that's the kind of dynamic that you could see teams I'm glad that this that this happened to them early because I think that's something that smarter defensive teams are going to start doing on them more often and suppose going to, you know, get more time to adjust that's to that. So Me, I, that's another though. thing I was talking with Coop last night about, about that specific thing where they're sagging off Bam. And he was saying the same, saying the same thing that I was, that they should be running guys kind of around him more often, like getting, you know, Hero and Duncan Robinson running around the three-point line, uh, specifically behind Bam, like to try to actually get defenders out there and kind of, you know, make it so that Bam has more options instead of him just being out there on an island with everybody knowing that he's going to pass the ball, that he wants to pass the ball. But I think that if what you can do also is that you can just run kind of last year's offense, right? So if you run those little dribble handoff sets with those guys. That's exactly what I'm sudden, saying. That's no, literally yeah. what I just said. Oh, you, <laughs> you can also do uh, some high pick and roll with some short roll, and then you can have Bam kind of pop and have the big have to make a decision whether to step up on the roll, and then he can kind of hit guys cutting baseline or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, you could also screen more. I mean, especially if you know that that Bam has got the the ball at the key, like at the top of the key or at the elbow, you can you know have predetermined sets that you know you got four other guys on the court. Two of them are going to be screening for the other guy, just trying to like you know free somebody open. And that's something I wish that they would actually try to do more of because I mean the Warriors have been wildly successful with that for years now, and it just seems like that's still never been a really big part of their offense. See, but I think that, like, they've been doing some of that stuff. Spo has been doing some of the things where, like, uh, Duncan and Hero are kind of screening right before somebody throws the ball in. And, like, it's it's been, on you know, those after timeout plays. But I think I kind of agree with you. They should do more of that type of stuff because the defense has to chase those guys around. So, like, having them start out by screening somebody and then running around 
it's probably better than having them just starting off the possession where they're just standing in, in a certain spot. So I think I agree with you on that point. But that's another thing is like they need to have the balance of inside out guys because right now without Justice and Derek Jones Jr., the main guy that's, that's you know, a threat to attack the paint is Jimmy. And I wouldn't even put Bam in that category yet because he doesn't really look for his own shot like that. He did it last night versus Charlotte, which I loved. I wish he would do that more. But it's but, Charlotte. But yeah, like when Jimmy's not on the floor, there's not that many threats that are, you know, they're more of an outside-in team than an inside-out team. And once we get more of that balance back, I think that'll make it a little bit easier for them to maximize it. But I don't know. That could have been a good role for Dion, you know, had he been able to to kind of be a part of what they did. Man, I totally forgot about that guy. Right? It's just you just you just kind of forget. And JJ is is lost at sea, right? So he's not uh, he's never there. He's sick now. <laughs> apparently he's traveling to Houston and I joked earlier that I'm pretty sure he's riding in cargo. I'm surprised he's on the plane. Thank they you. probably are making him take a bus to Houston. <laughs> That's where they're hiding James Johnson. No, I mean, that's especially funny now. But like, <laughs> it was it was very weird the other night. Like, I, I I know that you guys said that that Justice was in the locker room after. Were, was James Johnson there and Derek Jones Jr. there after the Hornets game? Derek Jones Jr. was there last night. What about James Johnson? I didn't see him, but, you know, they're, they're like in and out. Like, there's never the full team is out there in the locker room. It's always yeah. like five guys at a time. But, uh, I just think it's odd that they haven't been by the bench during the games because I know that in the past, even like the guys that are injured and stuff, they're always just, you know, they're dressed up, but they're, they're by the bench. So I'm wondering like what the rationale is with that. You should ask that Alex. Yeah. Right. Because they didn't feel like it. Next question. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do want to kind of address, some of the rumors that have been going on, right? So uh, Barry Jackson reported that the Heat were interested in either De- LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan. And Leif. And Leif. Don't forget Leif. And Leif. And Leif. So um, I don't know where to start on how that's the worst idea ever. Uh, it's not the worst idea I ever. Only, only for one real reason. I'm pretty sure both of their contracts expire in the summer of 2021. Yep. So you're going to punt. There's no way that they make this team better. No, I mean, basically, I mean, if you make, if you were to make some, if you were to trade for both, especially, but even if you trade for one of them, I think that's kind of them being like, okay, this is the best move that we feel we can make without giving up too many assets that we don't want to give up without messing up our position for 2021. And from that perspective, I could get it. But for me, it's a no. I agree on everything Christian just said. And it's also harder to think about an actual trade that would make sense for both teams because it's like Justice and Goron don't really make sense for the Spurs because they've already got a bunch of guards over there that not only are good right now, but ones that they're investing in and have already invested money into, like Derek White and DeJounte Murray. They got Patty Mills there. Like they're developing Lonnie Walker. I know they like him a lot. It doesn't really make sense. Like those are two of the guys that you would theoretically throw into a trade for one of those two. Uh, like who else are you gonna throw in? Right, Myers, like Kelly, James Johnson, Dion. What's their hard cap? Remember, so the money has to work. Exactly. exactly, the money has to work so perfectly. That's why I don't even think this is that realistic. I just don't see a trade that actually makes sense. And when and they have like a the Spurs haven't been good with them, right? And I don't know if, how much of that's an indictment on the rest of the roster, but I'm I know that. When Lamarcus and Demar are on the floor together, the Spurs are getting outscored by a lot. I'm going to try to pull up those numbers right now. And when they're off the floor, they're actually winning those minutes. So it's like a it's a tricky thing where they haven't been good together. They weren't good last year as well. That was kind of the argument against them for All NBA and All Star. They still won 48 though. I mean, the fact that they've been six and eleven or whatever they are now and lost a bunch of games in a row, it's like 48 wins is not nothing, right? Like that's a pretty good team, and that was without Dejounte Murray. So. It, it's kind of weird. Who's been excellent? And uh, Chris, I know that you had some de- defensive metrics on Lamarcus. Um, I mean, really, it was it's the bigger issue I think between them the two is DeRozan because not only does he he has a history historically, even going back to his Raptors years, his teams were always better with him off the court than on, which is obviously never a good sign. Uh, there's always you know you always need the proper context for that, but when you're talking over thousands of minutes i mean 
that kind of is, is a sign right there. And, and yeah, if you look at his at DeMar's synergy profile for this year, an above average offensive player like he always is, you know, he's a he's a definite threat from mid-range, but that's part of the problem, isn't it? Is that he's his biggest asset is an area of the game that mathematically has shown that you don't want to have a large amount of your offense there. And the the Spurs, the last few years, they've been trying to go against the grain and lean into it. And it's been some of the worst Spurs years that Popovich has had in his reign. So So I have those numbers for you. When LaMarcus and DeMar are on the floor together in 518 minutes, they're minus 8.26 net. When those players are off the court, they're plus 10. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, and look, that's, that's a, also that's you, you, you have to be careful with that because they're clearly playing against starters and then they just might have a really good bench that's beating up other benches, you know, which, and, the, and which the, was those number, last year, but right. And that, that, that can your two happen, star but, players cannot be getting outscored by nine points. In that rate. Right. The, the bigger the, issue is that his teams, the last few years haven't been winning. But the, well, but by the way, court. Christian, and that, that's this was the case last year as well. Like right. this, this is not a, this is not a, this year thing. Last year, it was literally pulling this up right now. Like the, the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he's just he's just for the past few years been a statistical liability on defense. Um, Last year they were plus point eight uh, on, and then off they were plus six. Well, look, yeah. I, I think one of the reasons to I mean, there's plenty of reasons to not want Demar on this team, Lamarcus for the same reasons. But if you're talking about how bad they've been on defense, the Heat have had <laughs> the Heat have probably the most guys in the league who end up turning on to hmm, okay, not terrible defenders than we thought like look what they did with Gerald Green look what they're doing this year with Myers with Duncan Robinson uh Hero's better I'm on not, defense I'm than we that thought that wouldn't be that wouldn't be my biggest concern that's fair I think no, my I, biggest I, concern I, would be like what it does to the offense and for that I actually disagree with Christian on this part I think I would if, if I were to have to sell myself on one of the two it would be DeMar just because of what we were talking about a few minutes ago that it would be somebody else who can penetrate the paint and who's a legit threat to score and, and can actually create his own shot sometimes, uh, you would just have to find a clean way for it to work with the rest of the offense, which is not an easy answer. Whereas DeMarcus, he can't, he's not somebody who's going to penetrate the paint. He has literally like the same array of moves. Just He's just a lot slower at it now that, you know, that he's been using since 2007. And I don't really think there's a spatial fit there when you're trying to also have Bam be the center or a big part of your offense and Jimmy, who's always driving to the paint. I think DeMar, like, there's a little bit more of a path to make it work because of that need for a second penetrator and because they have so many shooters now that they can throw around. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's four penetrators. Like, when they're healthy, like, you have Justice, Jimmy, Nunn, and Goron. Right. I'm surprised you're throwing Nunn in there. I wouldn't put Nunn in there. I mean, he's he's not a good isolation player, so I don't, I don't have to pick But I don't consider him somebody who's really good as a penetrator. He really only, like has been playing from the perimeter and then when they when they chase him down on three off the three point line like he goes in and he takes a floater whereas Justice Jimmy you know uh Dion Bam like they go straight to the rim yeah okay well this is fun i was like doing these out of those four guys you just mentioned who do you think the best two have been as pick and roll players this season um it is Jimmy and it's cuz i looked this up the other day uh which four was it again? You said with the the Goron, Jimmy, Justice, Jimmy, uh, Goron, and Kendrick. I think it's Kendrick and Jimmy, right? It's Kendrick and Goron. Jimmy's been really poor in pick and roll situations, and that was going to be oh, that's right because the- he he's on par with Josh. Him and Josh have the exact same pick and roll uh, numbers as a handler. See, so that's where right. the need for justice is, right? Like that's where the upside is. Where it's like you take all of that playmaking pick and roll playmaking out of the pick and roll responsibility from Jimmy and you give it to justice, let Jimmy focus as a scorer. That's something I've been talking about with Ethan. Like they're going to need Jimmy to actually be the scorer. We thought he's going to be against the really good teams. They can get away with it in the regular season for sure. But this habit where he's getting used to just taking 11 shots a night, <laughs> we got to be careful if we're trying to compete with the best teams in the league. Yeah, no, but I think you can also tell that ever since justice got injured, Jimmy, has been like he's he's already clearly willing to be a facilitator, but he's been going over the top, yeah, facilitating since he went down. And I would imagine that when Justice comes back, that is going to ramp down a good amount. Like mm-hmm. he'll probably still be getting four or five assists a game, but I don't think he's going to be getting seven to eleven like he's been since Justice has been gone. Can I ask a question? So their offense is twelfth right now, um, and I've been on record of saying that I'm shocked that their offense is good. 
right? And this is without justice. Like, how much, how much better do you think they can be? Because I actually really like the way Jimmy's playing. Like, I don't even think that they have a need for him. I just think he needs to shoot the ball a little better. Like, I don't think he really needs to change the fundamental way he's playing. I know that he it'll adjust for justice, but I think once he starts shooting the ball a little better, the offense will get better. But I don't think he has to change what he's doing. Like, I think, I think the process is good. No, I, mean, I don't really think he has to change what he's doing either. I just think that when it comes down, when you're in May, uh, you want Jimmy to take the bulk of the shots. And I, I, like, I wouldn't want the same shot profile as a team when we're in the playoffs, right? Like, I want Jimmy to take more shots than the rest of the guys in the team where, where you know, Tyler Hero's taking 16 shots a night sometimes. You'll have Goran take more shots than Jimmy sometimes. Uh, I think that's fine for now just because it's working so well and you've got enough shooters and weapons where it makes sense to have a but offense based around ball movement. I love it. I love what they're doing and and how good they've been as a, you know, an assist team. But yeah, man, I want to see Jimmy take over sometimes. But remember, like they've, uh, I tweeted this today. They've played 10 clutch minutes this year. Yeah, well, we haven't even seen it yet. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's too early to be talking about any of this. We still got to wait and see what they look like with Justice and how it actually affects the offense. We don't even know yet. Like, we have nothing. Do you know what's an incredible stat I found today? Last season, the Heat only played 3% of their possessions up 20 points or more. This season, it's 16%. I mean, that is, that is like, uh, for people that are not big into numbers, that's a pretty significant a jump in how often you're blowing the rails off of teams. And, that's, and if last that's year, if they, if they were, you knew that lead was getting blown. Right, no, that means they're sustaining it through you know through stretches which is which is huge they have been it's been i think the most shocking thing to me has been the offense but all secondarily to that is it's just like beating the brakes off of people like they 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 don't do they haven't done that since not even the last lebron year it was like the the 27 game win streak year that they were crushing and caving people's heads like who the hell like who are these people I mean, it's 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 the young guys, man. I mean, you got two guys that have just walked in the door in Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero that are bona fide shooting weapons. And now you have a team that's third in the NBA in scoring efficiency on jump shots. Every single team in the NBA, in today's NBA, 50 to 60% of their shots are jump shots. So if you're in the top three in efficiency on those jump shots, you're by default going to have a middle of the road offense. If you can clean up the turnovers and convert, you know, around the basket and other forms of action, like you can be a top five offense. So, so they've, they've got the most important part down. I, so in terms of Kelly, um, he started off the year shooting a little slow. He's up to 43%, uh, which is the most, the highest mark of his second highest mark of his career off the most attempts, uh, 4.1. So like he's already having a career year shooting the ball. After a slow start, like these guys have opportunities, like the the floor is spread. He's playing great. Like I, I think I've been so wrong about the offense. And I don't know I don't know what happens if Tyler and Nunn take a regression as rookies. I think that we can't I think it's unreasonable for us to look at them, right? They're this is the first two months of NBA basketball that they've ever I guess first month really, because October is like what, like a week or two of October. They've only played a month of NBA basketball. And to expect them to continue this without hitting a snag in the road, I think is unreasonable. So I think that's going to be really telling if that happens during the season, which I think we should expect it to, what that looks like and how that looks like during playoff time. But man, I've been, I've been so wrong about them and man, I, I have to eat it. Like I, I know you guys have seen me in the group chat all day. Like I don't trust them. I don't believe in them. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Gianni, what you're saying is 100% right. I mean, they are rookie. I mean, obviously, Kendrick is much older, um, but they are both technically rookies in the NBA. And there's always a learning curve that comes with that. There's going to be peaks and valleys throughout the season. But I think the things that you can be confident of, I think you can be confident already that both of those guys are legit shooters. And it's for two reasons. They're both they're both taking at least five threes a game. Tyler's making 38% of them. Kendrick's making 41% of them. But the more important thing is that they're both also making free throws at a high clip. Tyler's shooting 83% from the free throw line. Kendrick's shooting 82% from the free throw line. That's so important for them, especially as they mature. They'll they'll hopefully get more crafty and learn how to get to the free throw line more. That's going to be such a value add for the heat down the line. Like That's something that they've been really lacking for 
years, even really kind of somewhat going back into the big three years, it was always kind of an issue, the free throws. So that's, that's a big thing for this team. Even a guy like Goron is, is shooting the ball really well. Like from three, he's at 40, he's, he's over 40%, you know, for only the second time in his career. So how much should we, how much should we be worried about the three point regression coming at some point? Given, uh, given everything you just said, Christian, sounds like, by the way, that Gianni agrees with me on what happened between me and Spo after saying that uh, he's also worried about the shooting. How do you guys feel about that part? Well, I'm worried about the shooting because of rookies. Like, I'm not really worried. Like, okay, like Kelly could have a cold streak, like whatever. Like, that's fine. But like, I I just mean as a team where they've been like elite, not good. They've been elite at three-point shooting. Best in the league, right? They've been the highest effective field goal percentage. I mean, the thing is, is that in today's NBA with the amount of threes that are being taken, you don't need a long time to get a pretty solid sample. Do you know that Duncan Robinson has already taken over 100 three-pointers this season? But you see, the thing is, that's a sample that we've seen without justice. And now just by inserting him back into the lineup, you're taking away a knockdown shooter, which none and, and Robinson have been. You're going to take out one of those two and you're going to put him in the lineup. And now you have him out there with one of those two guys that I mentioned and Myers, who is not shooting enough whatsoever. He's just trying to keep that percentage high. But- I have a question. At what point does he become McBob McBob's? Like he's, he's, uh, he's reaching McBob's level of knockdown. Myers? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's it's actually hitting back. the threes. Do you remember when Josh, when Josh McRoberts, he would just stand out. He'd catch the ball wide open on the he, three-point he line. A three, he's a theoretical shooter in Miami. He, ne- he was never a shooter. <laughs> let's, let's take a look at like the amount of three-point attempts McBob had when he was here. Because I, yeah, I went to basketball reference and looked for McBob's. Like, that was going to come up. <laughs> Man, I, I'm really like, that's, a, that's bothersome to me. It's not a problem yet just because they've been so good already. But, like. He needs to be shooting I mean, more. I hate when I look down and I see the box score and it's like, oh, one of two from three point attempts. Like that's what he's there to do on the floor. Besides, like screen for for everybody else, which has been huge because it gets none and Robinson good shots, right? But okay, like so. he needs to take threes, especially when Justice comes back. And like I said, there's one less shooter and it's one more guy with the ball in his hands trying to find shooters. He needs to actually take the shots. If not, I think they got to put Kelly back in there, which I don't really want to do because he's been so good off the bench helping initiate stuff for Goron, and I don't know. In three seasons here, McBob's, I think, took a shade under 100 threes. It's crazy. Man. Three whole damn seasons. I mean, look, I, I think this much is fair. Right now, if you, especially if you round up Duncan to 40% because he's at 39.8, the Heat right now have four high-volume three-point shooters shooting above 40% from three. My God. Is, is, is that sustainable? I'm going to say probably not. Yeah, Tyler's, right? at 30, and Tyler's at 38. Tyler's at 38. Yeah, Tyler's at 38. Right, but like, it, do I think it's reasonable for... Okay, so because right now, their five high-volume guys that are all shooting really well are Duncan, Kendrick, Goron, Tyler, and Kelly. I think they can all maintain a 37, 38, even up to like 40% three-point percentage. But like... It's not a given. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean... I think the one that regresses is done. Like the shot, like he's like bouncing off the dribble, coming across screens, like feeling himself. Like I think that's the one that you look at that's most likely to regress a little bit. Um, I think Duncan... Duncan kind of reminds me of Wayne. Like just... I don't know. He's just... there's He's so good. And that's like... It's such a specialized sculpt. He may go through like a rough patch, right? Like I think shooters, they'll get streaky, but then he'll go like a month where he can't miss. So like, I think that'll leave it out. I think nuns will definitely regress if they end up keeping him in the starting lineup with justice because then there won't be as much space to get him those good looks they're talking about where he just gets these bouncy looks off a screen and he's just cooking out there. You want nuns starting next to justice, Duncan or Tyler? Honestly, I want Tyler. I'm expecting Duncan. I don't think they're, I think, I mean, I don't know, man. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if they left none in there just because of how good he's been. But knowing Spo, you know, I think he's going to keep Duncan in there. Goron justice lineups have been really good this year. They've actually looked, because I remember there was like, always like last year was almost like a fake friction because, you know, justice wanted to be the point guard, whatever. But they actually have been playing really well together this season. I wouldn't be surprised if justice comes off the bench tomorrow, just because I don't think you you tinker with a starting lineup that's been playing so well together. I think I, I think you kind of have to see that through. Is this a hot take that I don't hate that? It's not a bad idea basketball wise, but again, same thing as before. Like 
you're straddling that line, right? Before you came in, you came into the season with Justice as your starting point guard, and like they kind of made that a declaration. And then the only reason that changed was because of injury. And now it's like, what's that going to do to his confidence? Did they bring him back? Like, ah, we changed our mind. You know, We're going to give it to the rookie. Never mind. I take it back. I want him starting. I thought <laughs> who, about who, it. And who, and who do you bench? Kendrick or, or Duncan in that situation? I, I go, I go, I go Duncan only because the Kendrick Goran lineups have not been good or not been like as good as others. So I think that that's you, very true. I'm yeah, still AC to try to, to like rely on those numbers of the two game. I mean, not two games, the two man numbers, like the ones you just cited with Goran and Justice and now with Nunn and Goran. Like, I don't know, man. I think Nunn would have a pretty easy role coming off the bench. I think that takes some of the ball handling. Goran really likes the ISO. And not that Nunn's a bad catch and shoot shooter, but I think he really likes to kind of take it off the bounce. He's been an excellent catch and shooter. No, he's been really good, but I, 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 I don't have the numbers in front of me. And I, that's something I should probably have, but I. I, I don't know. And I'm I, saying, know I don't the, think none will be able to do that stuff with Justice and Jimmy and Bam on the floor is my thing. I don't think it, those shots are going to come as easily as they have where he's just cooking every single night. It's going to look rough, I'm telling you. I, I, I mean, can already fun, see it, man. It's fun to think about, though. I mean, look what he's been doing in starting lineups. And then imagine just kind of like giving Kendrick like a higher volume role, uh, just terrorizing second units, Goran's you know? Role. I know it is. That's why it's like there's I feel like there's a lot of justification to do like some pretty serious tinkering to the rotation but I'm sure what they're probably going to do is go back to the original starting lineup and go from there so I think they're going to go Justice Kendrick Jimmy uh Bam and Myers and see how it goes you know like I'm I'm kind of like scrolling through numbers and like some film right now and something just came up on my timeline the montage of Josh Richardson and like his three-point attempts the hell did he learn how to shoot off the dribble like that? Remember when he started and he just kind of abandoned it like mid-season? He was getting better at it last year, man. But I think Jesus. it's been gradual with him. And now he's gotten to the point where he looks comfy doing last it. Last night, he was, I may or may not have been watching the Raptors game. He was lighting them up. It was insane. And against Miami, it was more spot-up stuff. But like last night, he was like Added on while I was <laughs> in media row. I had the game on there on the computer watching it. But man, he absolutely killed the heat, man. That was brutal to watch. Honestly, can I, can, like, can I be like dead ass? Oh God! I was low key kind of happy for him. I love that guy, man. Like, oh, same, same. Like, I, I, I obviously like. I don't, I don't want the team I cover to get destroyed. Like that, that, that wasn't very fun. But I, him as a person, like having talked to him, like he was my favorite person to interview. Talked to him in the locker room, like he was the first guy I went to. I'm like, where is Josh? I want to talk to Josh. And I liked, I don't know, like him as a player, seeing him grow. Yeah. Like, and he turned from this number forty pick who nobody really expected to do anything. Into this, the centerpiece like this great three and D role player that, that anybody would want on their team if you're trying to contend. They're running so offense. For, they're running offense for him. Uh, it's it makes me sick, man. He should be on this team. He should be a part of this. I know. It man, makes that, me sick that, that he was that a sacrificial lamb for this. That fun that we're guys, guys, guys. Who do you think the max slot in 2021 <laughs> is for? Like, come on. <laughs> him and Giannis can split it. Yeah, they'll split. They'll figure something out. Did you guys see? Hold on. I they'll get Giannis to take a pay cut for Jay Rich, like they got LeBron to take one for UD. Exactly. Oh uh, man. This having a lot of lifers. Uh, I saw this. Uh, I saw this stat in 34 clutch time minutes, and this is, this is not about the Heat, but I, I know we love to laugh at the certain player. Uh, in 34 t- clutch time minutes this season, Ben Simmons has more turnovers, three than field goals, two, zero made field goals in the half court. Fewer assists than Tobias Harris, which is four to five, two free throw attempts, and a 12 usage rate. Man, I love that them sticking to the process and buying in on, on Ben over Jimmy is going to fuck up all their title chances. They had to pay him, but wow, that's like. <laughs> well, no, actually, did you hear the. It was a clip, I think, from the back to back pod. Didn't you share this, Alex? That they had, uh, I think they had Michael Lee on, and they were talking about the. Uh, the, the whole situation about, you know, in the summer of how Philadelphia was really trying to re-sign all these guys that they, you know, almost beat the Raptors with last season. <laughs> um, but then apparently what changed is that they got wind that Al Horford was interested in coming to Philadelphia. And so apparently, and already they, apparently there was already some kind of like internal doubt about, you know, locking up Jimmy long term given his age, which I think is ridiculous. But you should have signed Gasol instead, <laughs> right? But I guess they saw. I guess they saw it as you know we can get Horford and we'll have space to bring in somebody else. You know, to I guess really maximize the team. 
And supposedly the way that Michael Lee told it is that Philadelphia really went to Jimmy and they were like, look, you know, I guess trying to do him a solid since they weren't planning on giving him the contract that I guess they had told them that they wanted to. They were like, look, we'll we'll trade you where you want to go. And and supposedly that's kind of how everything came together for Miami. How much that's true, I'm not totally sure, but they definitely still got a really great player back in Josh uh, Richardson. Alex, I know that you you were telling that that's the guy that got the, a Jimmy exclusive earlier this year, mm-hmm. Michael Lee. Michael yep. Lee was the one that said that. So kind of always fun to like see like well, whose camp is leaking this. Where the hell is this coming from? What the hell do they have to gain? Um, I don't know. I you know I it's funny because I I have felt not good about this team, and uh, for some reason after that Sixer game, I feel better. I don't know. There, wow. there was some, There was something about watching how like seeing it happen. And I'm just like, huh, even though that's as bad as that could have gone, I feel like a lot of that's fixable. I don't know, man. I, I feel like a lot of it is just making open shots. Like, I don't know. I, that's I what I'm saying. Like, I don't think any of it had to do with scheme. Do. Dude, I think they were just gassed. Like, the, the, they were gassed, and it's a terrible matchup. Terrible. I, 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 looked up, I looked it up the other day across the entire league. Teams play two points per game worse on the second night of a back-to-back. When teams are playing a road back-to-back where the second game is on the road, they're winning 33% of the time. Remember, and yet, Philly was and you're facing on one of the best teams in the league. That Philly, was always going to be an uphill game. Philly was also on the back end of a back-to-back. So yeah, but they, they, they've been at home all week. There's no traveling. They're not getting on a plane. Like, that's completely different. Yeah, another thing was like, Man, I wish, like, I completely understand everything you're saying. I would have expected, like, an 18-point loss. But the fact that they were down 30, 40 from start to finish, that was just, like, demoralizing. That was one of those games where, like, I haven't had one of these in a long time. Or, like, I used to have when I was a little bit younger and I would care a lot more about the games and I would live and die with it. Where it's just, like, the day after and that night, I'm just like, oh, my God. It just, I felt the weight of that game. It was just, like, terrible. It was just I, – obviously, it's a one-game sample. It doesn't mean much. But it was like watching that, watching the Sixers of all teams do that to the Heat where it's just start to finish getting clobbered, it was, it was just humbling. It was demoralizing. I mean, like, what? Demoralizing? <laughs> demoralizing. That's beautiful. 